Welcome to another episode of Italia Mia, sponsored by the Grand Lodge of New York and Sons and Daughters of Italy in America. And today is another red-letter day. We have with us Mr. Stephen Malio, who has picked up where Sinatra left off, meaning that he's a great lover of Sinatra songs. He does them, and he does them so well. But I must point out to you that he is not an impersonator. No, no, no. He just sings Sinatra songs. And ironically enough, he sounds very much like Sinatra. So now let me introduce you to Mr. Stephen Malio. Good morning, Stephen. Oh, hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm terrific. Okay. I'm terrific. Okay, we are talking to you. You're a Jersey lover. Are we talking to you where you're living in Jersey? I, I live in, uh, in central New Jersey. I've been here for 36 years now. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm originally from East Harlem, New York, and mm-hmm. then uh, moved to the Bronx. And then when I got married, I moved to, to New Jersey. I'm here 36 years. Oh, and it's so ironic you should say the Bronx. Lately, the people that I've been interviewing, their heritage is the Bronx, which is mine as well. You know, and it seems the Bronx has given us so many stars. I don't even want to mention them, but one of them is you. So oh, let, let's let's focus. You were going to take the out of the Belmont. That's what I was waiting for. Oh, is that where you were from, the Belmont section? Arthur, oh, I was uh, Castle Hill Avenue and Frogsack Pelham Bay. Oh, uh, my God, that's... Say, you know, uh, popular singers from the Bronx, Dion is the first, usually the first name they come up with. Yeah, well, I lived in the Bronx. I lived at Throgs Neck section and also Pelham Bay. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I graduated Lehman High School. Re- really? And that's... Yeah. Oh, and I, inter- you know, I spoke to somebody from Arthur Avenue um, a few weeks ago, and he graduated from Lehman College, and he's at the Arthur Avenue Marketplace. Oh, excuse me. Okay. <clears throat> I'm struggling with a bad cold. Pardon me. But let's talk okay, about I, you. I'm sympathetic to that. I know how tough it can be when you have a cold. Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult. It really is. But we'll overcome, right? So oh, absolutely. let's talk about you. How did this all start? You have quite a career I checked you out, of course, and uh, people can go to stephenmalio.com and you will see many, many things about Stephen, and he's had quite a career. Now, let's, let me ask you again, how did it all start? Well, I always enjoyed singing. I always liked to sing. Yeah. But I was microphone shy. I would, you know, if I was with a group of friends uh, at a party or something, everybody would be sitting around the table singing the oldies, I, I would do that. But to get up to a microphone, I just couldn't do it. As much as I wanted to, I was afraid. Uh-huh. And I discovered Sinatra when I was eight years old. Eight years old? All, 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 the, all the music. Uh-huh. And one day I said, you know, if I never actually take singing lessons and try to do this, someday I'm going to be 80 years old and I'm going to kick myself that I didn't try. Good for you. When I was 35, I started taking singing lessons. And secretly, I didn't tell anybody, not even my wife. I'll go for one lesson on a Saturday morning and then practice in, in my office. Uh-huh. And so nobody knew that I was taking lessons. And one night we were at uh, a restaurant in uh, Menlo Park Mall here in New Jersey. Yeah. And they had a karaoke thing. So I said, yeah, I'm going to get up and sing a song. And my wife really didn't think much of it. She said, okay, go ahead. Uh-huh. So I got up, I sang a song. I didn't realize it was a contest. I wound up winning first prize. Is that right? Wow. Uh, yeah, this was after eight years of lessons. Uh-huh. So now we're driving home, and my wife is telling me how proud she is, you know, that I won the contest, and I felt like maybe I'm misleading her a little bit. So I said, you know, i got to confess, I didn't just do this on my own. I've been taking lessons for the past eight years. And she said, oh, yeah? What else have you been doing for the past eight years that I don't know about? <laughs> so that was a big blowout. <laughs> Typical wife. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, that was, that was a big argument. Oh. And when the dust settled, I, I said, you know, I want to get out, and I want to start being around people. You know, singing in front of uh, an, an audience that used to be in front of a microphone. So we started going to the different karaoke bars in New Jersey. Yeah. Did that for about a year. And then I called up a friend of mine. He's the only musician that I knew at the time. This was in 2002. Yes. Uh, a saxophone player uh, named uh, John Ruder from Howard Beach. And I said, you know, if you know a small group that's looking for, you know, a trio quartet that's looking for a singer, keep an, an, eye, an ear out for me. 
Yeah. And he said, okay. He said, I will. He said, but in the meantime, I'm working with a group called Joe Battaglia and the New York Big Band, 17-piece band, and we rehearse on Wednesdays. He said, why don't you come to one of the rehearsals? Let the band leave you here. Mm-hmm. So I went to the rehearsal, sang a couple of songs. The band leader liked me. He asked me to join the group, and I made my debut at Tavern on the Green. Oh, New York. New York. With a 17-piece Big Band. Terrific. In June 2002, at 43 years old. Oh, my. And at 42 now, years old. Like, I worked 30 years in this business before I got to Tavern on the Green. You just walked right through the front door. You know, I just got lucky. Yeah. Well, well, when you first sang, did what was the audience reaction? Did they say, oh, you really sound like Sinatra? Yes. That was their reaction. Yeah, because they say that many celebrities suffer, and no matter how popular they are, they suffer from stage fright. You know? Yes. And, yeah. and suddenly. I I, you know, you get anxious sometimes, maybe a little flutters in, in the stomach for the show, only because you're dying to get out there and, and get started. Yeah. You never know what that first note is going to be. Right. You know, when you get up, you, you sing that, that first line of the song, and if it comes out a little rough, now you're scared for the whole show because you got to be guarded. You got to be. If it comes out easy, now you know you can have fun. Yes. Uh-huh. So the, the anticipation of that feeling, you know, finding out what, what kind of a night it's going to be, that, that gets you a little anxious. But scared or nervous, stage fright, never. Really? No, not after that night. Well, you know what? I, as I mentioned to you before when we went on the air, uh, we are celebrating Frank Sinatra's birthday this month. As a matter of fact, he yeah. was born on December 12, 1915. And you happen to be at the 100th birthday celebration at the Friars Club. I saw that, you know, when I was yeah. doing research. Uh, tell us about that event. It looked like it was a wonderful, wonderful event. But the, the Friars Club hosted it, but it was actually done in the ballroom of the Pierre Hotel because the club was too small to handle the, the crowd. Uh-huh. We had so many people that wanted to come. Yeah. And it was an, an all-star cast. It had um, um, Wayne Newton, Dion Warwick, Dina Martin, Steve Tyrell, um, well, it was just the last night, as a matter of fact. Really? Uh, Tony Danza, um, Dominic Kianese, another Bronx boy, Dominic Kianese. Yes, yes, I know Dominic, uh, yeah. Who else? Freddie Roman, Ron Crosby, Frank Pellegrino from, from Ray or these. Oh, Frank, yes, I know uh, Frank. It was just an all-star, all-star mm-hmm. cast, and I opened up the show. So it, it was really terrific. I had a great time that night. Yeah, I would say so. Um, by the way, was Mr. Pat Cooper there? By the way, I know that Pat frequented. Uh... At that, I don't think no, he wasn't there uh-huh. at that time. He had moved. I don't know if he, he either moved to Las Vegas and then Florida, or vice versa, one or the other. But he wasn't in New York at that time. Yeah, oh, he, he would have definitely been there. Pat, Pat was a fixture at the Friars. That's right. There all the time. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you know that I also see that you have garnered so much praise from many, many celebrities, celebrities that we really revere, and one of them was Victor Moan. You know, he of the Velvet Voice. He was a wonderful singer. And Connie Francis and the late Danny Aiello and so many, many singers who really have appreciated you along the way. Yeah? Yeah, I've been lucky in that regard. Yes, you have. With Victor Moan, I was doing a party. It was a tribute to a friend of ours who was uh, sick. So they were having a tribute to him. And uh, Victor Moore was invited to the party, and I was off in the back corner, just singing. Nobody could really see me. Well, if you walked in the, in the front door, you couldn't see me mm-hmm. because I was there was a whole sea of people there. Yeah. And Vic walked up to the guy. He then had been in the room like about ten or fifteen minutes, and he walked up to the guy who was hosting the party and said, "What is it? You invite me to a party, and then you play Sinatra's records." <laughs> Oh, and that's, that's how I met Victor Moe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he thought it was Sinatra's records. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm not an impersonator. I, I make go to great pains to tell people that I'm not an impersonator. But I, it's still a kick when, when people make a comparison. It's, it, 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 that does, it 
there is an excitement to it. I just make sure I tell my wife all the time. I love when people say it, but if anybody starts, if I start believing it, get me in a straitjacket in a rubber room. I okay. I start thinking of life about you. You did not want to be known as an impersonator, and you don't try I, to no, impersonate. I don't impersonate, but the thing is, growing up, I just when I'm so young and listened to the so much and watching the movies over and over, I think I picked up mannerisms and things from him like I did from my father and from my older brothers I picked up from him. So even though it's like him, it's not forced or, or an imitation. It just yeah. became part of me. It's part of, became part of the way I Even um, Johnny Maestro has been said a lot of times, but Johnny Maestro yeah. the first one to tell me, you know, not only you sound like Frank when you sing, but you speak too. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and since he said it, and a lot of other people have said it too, and it's not, it's not anything that I, that I try to do. It's just I grew up with it, so I kind of absorbed it. You know, one of the things of uh, celebrities, and, and and I've met several of them, and I always wanted to be a singer, but that didn't happen. But um, they would say... Oh, you could sing. If you're Italian, you could sing. All Italians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Loyalty. We cook and we sing. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you do both at the same time. <laughs> That's right. And I do it. <laughs> well, I'm saying... <laughs> You know, uh, they say, listen to your favorite singer, play the recordings, you know, and sing along. And that was the advice that was given to me. So um, I'm asking you, did you do that? Where Frank Sinatra was concerned, did you play his records and just sing along with him? Oh, yeah, from from when I was a kid. Matter of fact, I, um, if anybody goes to on, on the web and looks up my name, they'll see a picture and see what I look like. I'm both on, all bald on top. Never mind. When I was a, but when I was a kid, I would get dressed. I eight years old. I get dressed up in my, my dark suit and tie, and I would slick my hair back <laughs> and slick it back so uh-huh. that it would look bald. Yeah. And, and you know, sing Sinatra into the mirror. You know, try to copy what I saw him do in the movies. Yes. And they'd say, you know, be careful what you wish for because you might get it. Well, I got <laughs> you it. Got it. <laughs> I my hair on top when I was very young. Yeah. You know what? Um, yeah. I have picked up is that. What makes you so, um, people, you, you think of Sinatra when, when you sing, is that you have his diction and you have his phrasing, and he was a master of both of them, both yeah. of them. Wonderful. I mean, he, he when he, like yeah, when he sang, you understood the lyrics, you know, there was no yeah. doubt. Not like today, which uh, is another story, we don't go into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't consider music at all, but you know. But I haven't been excited about a new hit song. I think the last time I got excited about a new song that was coming out was when Natalie Cole did the uh, duet with her father. Oh, that was memorable. I don't think there was any other popular song that came out that I was really. You never hear anybody say, I remember in the 70s, you hear people say, Did you hear the new Barbara Streisand song? Did you hear the new Stevie Wonder song? Nobody says that anymore. Yeah. That's true. People aren't putting out new songs anymore. What is it? Do we have? Do we don't have songwriters anymore? What is it? What do you think that is? Nobody could write them. Well, I'm not saying they can't. They just don't write mm-hmm. the melodies like they used to. If you listen to some of the people who write rap songs or country songs, they're very good lyricists. They can write the words, but nobody makes a, a romantic melody anymore. Yeah. The people that work on the Disney movies are probably the closest thing to it. Yeah, and those are the songs that always wind up getting nominated for Academy Awards and, and Grammys and everything. If you know, correct? Because people, I think people, I think people are yearning for those types of songs. You know, I, romance. Yeah, There's exactly. No more romance in the song. Everybody's trying to make a statement. Right. There's no more romance. Well, we talked about um, a particular song that never, never, you know, was uh, written in full, and I listened to it when I was doing research on the computer, and it was called "A Piece of My Heart." Such a beautiful yeah. song, and you were telling me that it never really took off because it wasn't fully written. Talk us about that. It was never finished. Oh. And Dora wanted a jingle just enough for the commercial. So the songwriter wrote just enough to make the commercial. Yes. And I went to the studio, and I recorded it. And I said, Tim, you know, this is a beautiful song. You, you should finish it. So said, yeah, maybe I will. Okay. And then a couple of weeks later, I called him. And I emailed him, and he said, oh, I'm busy now, I'll get back to you, I'm in order and everything. And it, it turned out he just never finished it. 
And it was, I, I even, I even finished it. I finished writing the lyrics and I sent it to them. I said, yeah, just, let's just get it published because it's a great song. My wife was in the supermarket and she heard women on the aisle talking about it. Did you hear that song on the radio? She heard them talking about it. What and a shame. What a she shame. She wanted to finish it. You think that possibly you can do that today with his permission? Wouldn't that I don't be even good? remember the words. I just read oh. it off the paper. I don't even, I don't even remember the words. So then I, I would... I Yeah, you do. That's how I heard it, and I just I fell in love with that song. Yeah, yeah, that's how I heard it. Oh, what a shame, really. It was very pretty, and that had a nice melody, too. Yeah. But he just didn't want to finish it, and there's nothing I could do on my own, because he started it. It's his song. Right. Can't do it without him. Are you a songwriter as well? Have you written other songs? I, I write parodies. Okay. I write parodies, uh, because I start writing something... And I try to be serious, and then I think of a joke, and the joke lyric is usually better than the serious one, so I wind up just going to the parody. Uh-huh. I do, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a member of the, of the Friars Club, so a lot of times we do uh, parties there, and I'll, and I'll write a, a parody for somebody who's having a birthday or, or being tributed. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I enjoy writing the parodies. I like making the joke. Okay, not only are you a writer, but let's allude to the fact that you are also an actor. And that seems to go hand in hand. With singers, I know our our friend oh, Chris. Yeah, and uh, I, I wish I could do more of it, but the opportunity just uh, just isn't there. Yeah. Uh, I did um, I did a voiceover the first uh, first one I did. Uh, I, I made a CD years ago called Songs for Sinatra Lovers. Right. And on that CD is a song that tends to trap. So I got a call one day. Uh, from Lionsgate's Pictures is a, a girl on the other end of the phone. She says, we're making this movie called My Best Friend's Girl. And we, there's going to be a, a wedding scene. And the director wants an aerial shot of the guests milling around in front of the church. And he wants an actress singing Tender Trap in the background of the scene. She said, I made two phone calls. The first phone call I made is to the Sinatra family. And they want too much money to use Frank's original record. So oh. the second phone call I'm making is to you because I'm hoping you work a little cheaper than Frank does. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is that right? Why is that? Which was, which was, which is a kick, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, one and, of the... And I did another picture with uh, Chance Palmentieri called um, Once More with Feeling. It was about a um, psychiatrist who always wanted to be a singer, so he started to call it this karaoke bar, so I played the MC oh. the karaoke bar that he goes to. Uh-huh. That's and, a, there's... Uh, that, that was fun. I think they hired me just so you could get the tuxedo. <laughs> Yeah, whatever happened to the tuxedo, I think it's very classy. I think it really does yeah. something for, you know. I love one. I, I've gotten to feel more comfortable in my tuxedo than in my pajamas. Oh, yeah. I really do. I love one. I love one. It is. It's great. But the most recently, you were in The Irishman. And what part did you yes. play? I watched that. Because uh, uh, I want to... I want to. The Irishman is that the scene that I'm supposed to be in, I'm supposed to be in the Copacabana scene, and I wound up getting cut. Oh. It was trimmed, and my, the part that I had was, was cut out. Yeah. But my name still appears in the credits. Oh, what a shame. Uh. I also have a cousin whose name is the same as me. His name is also Stephen Maglione, and uh. he was in a scene with Joe Pesci. So my name appears, the name Stephen Maglione appears twice in the credits. Oh, the oh, that's so ironic. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. Yeah, and you've also done another movie called Once Upon a Time in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, okay. Was, I did that scene with uh, Tony Darrow, that was Paul Borghese uh, directed. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the Southeast part in that. But you also... And, uh, and I played a, a gangster, you know. Yeah. And, then, and that was fun. That was good to do. And I did a short. The first thing I did was a short called Frank and Alice. It was supposed to be... This girl, it was supposed to be like Alice in Wonderland, all grown up. And she's passing through the mirrors to, into men's hotel rooms. For, you know, she's an adult now. Uh-huh. And one morning she wakes up and the mirror is broken. She doesn't know how it broke, but it's broken and so she can't get out. 
and she snuck in the room with this broken down nightclub singer, who is me, doing playing kind of like a Sinatra and Pal Joey kind of corny, yes. role like that. Everything happens to me, kind of. Yeah. Thing. And and that was fun. That was the first thing that I ever did, and I had a uh, a, a one scene. Um, what do you call it? In the music, you call it a solo. I don't realize what, what you call it in, in acting. But I had to speak for seven minutes straight. Mm-hmm. And I had to do this while I was getting dressed. From my <laughs> bedroom into the tuxedo, tie the bow tie, the, the, the whole bit. Uh-huh, not easy. Well, I had it timed out just perfect. And when we did, we did the whole thing in just one take. The director was floored. And he said to me, I thought you said you never acted before, that you're, that you're not an actor. And I said, no, I've never acted before. He said, well, you're an actor now. He said, you did that whole thing straight through the seven minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to cut it. So you were for just... For some reason, he must have dis- discovered something because he did put a couple of cuts in a couple of places where he stuck in a, um, uh, a still shot of, of the girl yes. who was in the room. So it kind of broke away from, from the seamlessness of my getting... Uh, getting dressed. Yes. Which I wish you would have kept it uh, all in one, but they said the director knows what he's doing. Right. So you then... That was was the first thing that I did. So then you were actually... Mike and Alistair was called. Yeah. In The Irishman, you were directed by Martin Scorsese. And what is that like? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Martin Scorsese directed The Irishman. Yeah. Right? Did you have a chance to meet him? When he was in the room with uh, with Joe Pesci and, and Robert De Niro and um, um, Sebastian Maniscalco was was there. He was playing Crazy Joe Gallo. Right. So he was attending mostly to, to them. For mm-hmm. me, it was just okay. Say this line. Say that line. You see, you know, it was yeah. just not much direction, and yeah, you know, he was, he was attending to, to the stars. You know, so yeah, which is perfectly understandable. So it seems like that with comedians and singers, are uh, they're born actors as well? You know, because you know, comedians especially, comedians yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, it's it is acting when you're up on, on right. stage. The, the, right. The timing and the, the getting across of, of the joke you're making the connection there. It's yeah. a little easier for a singer to make the connection because you have the music to help you. Correct. Correct. Comedians, it's just one on one with the audience, so uh-huh. their acting chops are, are more fired up than, than that of a singer, I think. Oh, the one thing I always ask is your heritage. You told me is uh, the ne- Naples Neapolitan, right? All four of my grandparents come from uh, small towns or cities surrounding Naples. Nobody oh. from Naples proper. Okay. Uh, one grandfather was from Salerno. He was a barber. My other grandfather was from a town called San Rufo. Yeah. It was all the way up on top of the mountain, and it was a farming town. And when he came to America, he. Uh, he worked on farms in Pittsburgh and in in, uh, and in New Jersey, but when times are tough, he wound up in East Harlem working construction. Yes, and that's where that's where I wound up mm-hmm. being born. I mean, my parents met in, in East Harlem, where they were born and grew up, and that's where I was born. Yeah. I moved up to the Bronx in '66. Right, 1966. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I well, was born on Christmas. It seems that Naples has spawned a lot of of uh, famous people and a lot of singers. I mean, some oh, of the yeah. greatest, you know, uh, because music is in the blood of the Neapolitans. Because I yeah. can remember years ago driving through the city of Naples, and what I heard was music blaring, you know, from and the windows. They, and even when they speak, it sounds like they're singing. Yeah, yeah. They have a melodious cadence to, to, to their speaking, yeah. Right. Right. Well, speak, Well, this is a, maybe a difficult question. Maybe you'd rather not answer it. But I was thinking, is there any one singer that you know of today who you think would be the next great? I'm not going to say Sinatra, no. The next great singer. Can you think of one? Or do you... uh, well, Buble, for the this, uh, this music that I sing, Michael Buble is on top right now. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's young, which uh, which is uh, in his favor <laughs> for me. You know, because the young keeping young people involved in uh, in the music. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would have to. He's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. And I, I do a show uh, in New York City, a place called the Carnegie Club on West Fifty Sixth, 
Now, we get a lot of young people coming in there, a lot of under 40s that come in saying they never got a chance to, to see Frank Sinatra live, and it's, you know, looking to, to see what that experience is. And I, and I make it a point at the beginning of the show, like I tell people that I'm not an impersonator, I also tell them that the, the point of the show is not to recreate the music, it's to try to recreate the feeling that people had when they would see Sinatra in the nightclub back in, the, in, in Las Vegas in the 60s. Right, and, right. And I guess, I guess I'm doing it because we've been selling out that show every Saturday night for the past 17 years. Oh, tell us again the, the name show, of it? Same songs, same jokes, everything exactly the same for 17 years. And, and what is it called? Out. The Carnegie Club? Carnegie Club is on West 56th Street, right across from the back end of Carnegie Hall. And how often do you perform it's there? The, it's one of the few places in New York City where you're still allowed to smoke cigars and cigarettes indoors legally. Uh-huh. So we get a lot of people that come there just because they're looking for a place to smoke, and then they discover the show, and they keep coming back. Okay. How often do you perform yeah. there? Every Saturday. Every Saturday? Every Saturday since, two, every Saturday since 2004. So you have it's survived... The running nightclub show in New York City. You've survived the pandemic? one song or one joke since 2004. It's exactly the same every Saturday. Really? And yeah. so you and have... I Peace Big Band. Is that your band? Oh, that's right. Connie, well, Connie Francis came in. She said, I can't believe it. With the smoke and the big band, I feel like I'm back at the cold push. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you got through the pandemic in flying colors, right? You were still... We, we were closed down for 16 months. Oh, you were. Oh, you were. We opened up on July 10th, and I was afraid that it was going to take a little while to build the audience back up again. The place was jammed from day one, and we've been sold out every week since Is we that since right? reopened. Oh. And that first night, on July 10th, people came from all over. I had people come from Florida, from Chicago, from California. I was even singing. I was um, in the middle of the show, and I'm looking out, and there's these two young girls. They had to be in their 20s. And they were dancing in their seats. They knew all the words and everything. I'm saying, this is great. You know, the, the young young people are really yes. enjoying the show. Yes. So when the show was over, I was at the bar, and they came over to, to say hello. And it turns out that they were from Ecuador. They had oh. seen the show, like, four or five years ago. And they were looking online every day, Facebook or whatever, to see when we were going to come back because they wanted to be sure that they were going to be there for the opening night. Yes. And they flew up from Ecuador specifically to be at that show on opening amazing. night. Amazing. Which I thought was incredible for two girls in their 20s. That is amazing. You know, to, to go so far out of their way for, for the show is really amazing. You know, that's very encouraging to me to say that the youth still, you know, are yearning for that old music. They do appreciate the music, even yeah. if it's not the music that they listen to 24 hours a day. But they still appreciate it, and they come. They will come out for it. Well, that's good news. Good news to me, yeah. really. Well, we talk so much about songs. So, how about giving us a little music? Okay. Right. Uh, let me see. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me. All summer long we sang a song and strolled the golden sand Two sweethearts and the summer wind. How about that? Lovely, lovely. We wanna Thank we you. want we want a whole song though. Give us another song. You want the whole song? Yeah, uh, let's yeah, choose yeah. another so one. This is a song I did. This should be easy to do without music. I did this one uh, with the great uh, Bucky Pizzarelli. Oh, I was going to say, oh, he was. with all the songs that I recorded, this is still the the one I think I'm the most proudest of. Bucky Pizzarelli was, yeah. Oh, you know what? Wait, hold on a moment. I'm looking at the CD that you sent me many years ago that somehow or other got lost when I was doing my radio show because I certainly would have played it. But I found it just recently when I was cleaning out my closet. And it's called Stephen Malio, Songs for Sinatra Lovers. And some of the great ones that Frank has done. One that I really love was called Drinking Again. Oh, yeah. Yeah? How's that? Can you do that one? How about that one? Drinking again and thinking of when, when you loved me. And I'm having a few and wishing that you were here. Making the rounds 
accepting around from strangers being a fool just hoping that you'll appear nice sure i can borrow a smoke maybe tell some joker a bad joke but nobody laughs they don't laugh at a broken heart oh yeah i'm drinking again it's always the same that same old story after the kicks there's little old mixed up me trying to lose the dream that used to be oh bravo bravo what courage what a courage to sing that song without music well i'm gonna ask at the end of that Oh, did he? Yeah, I'm going to ask you to do one more song because um, when you know when they see that we're doing Sinatra, people are just uh, they drink it up. They really do. Oh, drinking and drinking. I just made a. <laughs> I did that without thinking. Okay. <laughs> um, how about well on this particular uh, album, it's. Um, Oh, Come Dance With Me was great. The Tender Trap, I Can't Believe I'm Losing You. Let's do an up-tempo one. Um, you Make Me Feel So Young. You Make Me Feel... How about that one? You Make Me Feel So Young. You Make Me Feel Like Spring is Sprung. And every time I see you grin, I am such a happy individual. The moment that you speak. I want to go play hide and seek. Want to go and bounce the moon just like a toy balloon. You and I are just like a couple of tots. Running around the meadow, picking up lots of forget-me-nots. You make me feel so young. You make me feel there are songs to be sung. Bells to be rung and a wonderful fling to be flung. And even when I'm old and gray, I'm going to feel the way I do today because you make me feel so young. Well, you really did. You made, you made all of us feel very young, <laughs> which is a good thing. And I have Thank to say, I mean, to sing without music, I mean, for, this is a pro. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Stephen Malio is a pro. Thank you very much. And, and what happened with that CD, I started working at the Carnegie Club in 2004. I wanted to uh, get some radio play. I figured if I make a CD, and I didn't, want to, uh, I didn't want to record any of the songs that we do at the Carnegie Club. I wanted to put songs that, that are not in the show because I want to get the show away. So I make a CD of songs that I like that we don't do in the show and send it out to all the radio stations. And if I get some radio play, it'll make people want to come to us to, to see the show. Right. What happened was a lot of the DJs were telling me, you sound so much like Frank, but there's no sense to play your record. I could just play Frank's records. Oh. And I'm getting radio play. Oh, dear. So when I was going to make my second CD, I figured this time I'm going to fool them. <laughs> and I picked 12 songs that Frank never recorded, so there could be no comparison. Oh. And it's called You Belong to Me and Other Songs Sinatra Never Recorded. There's 12 standards that Frank never did. It's um, Ain't Misbehaving, The Party's Over, Old Cape Cod, Stay As Sweet As You Are. And the funny thing was, I went I, I went to all my albums and, and CDs and everything, and I picked 12 songs that I have. There's no, no recording of Frank singing these songs. But I said, you know what, before I... I make the album and actually put myself on the line here. Let me check with an expert. So I reached out to Chuck Renata, who is a Sinatra family historian. And I gave him my list of 12 songs. And he said, you know, out of those 12 that you picked, you can hear him singing five of those. There are old radio checks or TV shows and stuff that's online. If you search, you can find it online. So he actually helped me pick the uh, the other five. We got rid of those five songs and he helped me pick uh, the others. So now, now I have 12 songs that Frank never recorded. And that was the next CD, and that got some, some radio play, and that, that was good. Are we able to buy that and the CD? The CD I put on Frank's 100th birthday is called Sinatra 
And that's oh. all the big Sinatra hits done in Boston Nova style. Oh, is that and available? Also got some radio play and you got some. Some people, when you first listen to it, it's a little odd because they're not used to hearing, you know, like my way being done in, in Boston Nova. But uh, but it, it came across, you know, if you listen to it two or three times, you get used to it and then you start to like it. Yeah. And it's all on, on the website, people who don't listen for free, stephenmagnolio.com. There's a music page there. Are we, able, are we able to buy that through Amazon? You could. Yeah. Do it through Amazon or right on the, or on the website or CD Baby or any, any of those sites. Okay. iTunes has it. Yeah. Well, can I ask you to do one of those songs that Sinatra never did? Yes. Uh-huh. And we did some shows together. She's always very, very nice, very gracious to you, good friend. And so when I was uh, recording this song, I found a, a spot where I could mention her name, and I thought it was a nice way of showing how much I, I appreciated all she'd done. So the song Ain't Misbehaving, it's an old Fats Wallace song. Oh, yes. Great American classic, and there is no record of Frank Sinatra ever singing this song. Uh-huh. So that's the one I'll do for you. Thanks. The one to walk with all by myself. No one to talk with, but I'm happy on the shelf. Ain't misbehaving, saving my love for you. Just you, dear, only you. I know for certain the one that I love. I'm through with flirting, it's just you I'm thinking of. Ain't misbehaving, saving my love for you. Nice. Like Jack Horner in the corner. Don't go nowhere, but what do I care? Your kisses are worth waiting for. Believe me. I don't stay out late, don't get a go. I'm home about a Cardina Martin on the stereo. In this behaving, saving my love for you. Okay, thank you, you for that. <laughs> Believe it or not, Frank never recorded that song. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's so many that, that you know, sometimes you, you hear him sing something on the radio and say, wow, I can't believe he recorded this. He actually sang everything. Yeah. And when you start digging deep, there are some things and you say, how come he did this dumb song, but he never did this one? Yeah, you know? yeah. But there was some, some great them Stay as Sweet as Yours, another great one. Yeah. Um, I remember you. I remember you. You're the one who made my dreams come true. Oh, lovely. Of you. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. America the Beautiful, he did, he did a lot of patriotic songs on House of Living, of course. Well, though, that's the one that stands out in my mind. no recording of him singing the Star Spangled Banner. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. All these wonderful little tidbits we didn't know about Frank Sinatra. Okay. Yeah, and he was such close friends uh, in the 70s, such close friends with um, uh, Tommy Lasorda. From the, yes, um, they were great, yes. You know, Los Angeles Dodgers, and they were in the World Series all the time. Yeah, and yeah. And never asked them, saying, why don't you come into the game? Why don't you get up and sing the Star Spangled Banner? For whatever reason, it was just never done. Ah, oh, these are all, these yeah. are wonderful little I things that we... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's go back to you. Uh, what do you see in the future for you? What would be your goal? I mean, you seem to have reached the stars, so to speak. I mean, you've acted, you've sung, and you're still singing, and you're appearing every week. Is there something else that you would like to achieve? Or do you think that you've, you've done it all? Like every, everything that I'm doing to be bigger. I'd like to be able to do more acting and more, more singing, more recording, more uh-huh. traveling. I remember seeing um, uh, Joan Rivers did, um, an interview with her not long before, not just before she passed away. Yeah. And she had her big um, book, her calendar book, and she opens up one page uh, for this month, and it's all scribbled in there. Everything is in there. And she, and she says, you see that? That's, that's my life. That's what I do. And then she flips over like five, six months ahead, and the whole thing is blank. And she said, that's my biggest fear. Oh, oh my. And a month is going to come where I'm going to have nothing written in the book. That's my biggest fear. And that's what it is for me, too. I just want to, I love what I'm doing, and I just want 
Have you ever been approached by PBS? By, I'm sorry? Have you ever been approached by public television? You know, they do no. a, a lot of these concerts. They introduce uh, new singers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never did. I, I think those um, shows have to be self-produced, if I'm not mistaken. I know uh -huh. somebody had done it once. Yeah. Maybe about 20 years ago. Yeah. And he had to raise the money to do it on his own. Oh, it's dear. expensive. Yeah, I would say so. Great story. Uh, yeah. You have. If you didn't raise the half a million dollars, he would have just gone in his merry way and nobody would know who he is. My God. And thanks um, to his family, to his grandpa. Oh. You say you're in show business, it's not just the show. Yeah. A lot more business involved than the show. There's a lot backstage that we don't know about. Well. Yeah. Now, I think <clears throat> I see that uh, a great clarinet, clarinetist, I'm sorry. His name is Saul, and what is it? Yegid? How do you pronounce Yegid. that? Saul Yegan. Yeah, he gave you one of the greatest compliments, I think. He said, he said, he said, quote, Stephen Malio is, okay. He said, quote, Stephen Malio is the keeper of the Frank Sinatra flame. That's a beautiful, that's beautiful. And that's the truth. Yeah. I wish we could see more of you like on television or perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> you too. <laughs> you got to get to I the right people. Of, uh, I do the Catholic telephone every year. Oh, I know Father Vlon. Uh, yeah. The, if you go on my, on my website, on the videos page, all, all, the, all the videos have telephone numbers on the bottom. They, they, uh, they send me the videos from the TV show every year. Yeah, I've been uh, trying to get so Father. Yeah, Father Vlon, he's wonderful. Um, he used yeah. to, I interviewed him when I was Very on the radio. Yeah. I closed the, the uh, telephone every year for about the past 10 or 11 years. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I'm trying and to get in touch with him. Uh-huh. And they save everything up to, to go over the, the top, and they, they called me the good luck show. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we have to see more of you. But uh, again, let's tell, let's give them the name of that latest CD. Let's tell the audience again about that CD. Uh, Sinatra and Bassanova is the latest one. And then there's also songs for Sinatra lovers, and you belong to me, and other songs Sinatra never recorded. Yeah, and I would urge everyone. And I would really suggest to everyone to check out the website. It is it is very very entertaining. I mean, you will oh, see Steve. You. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. Oh, uh, you will see Stephen performing at the Friars Club, with all the other greats, comedians, and what have you. Um, Really, you can sit there and be entertained for more than a half hour. No need to run I to Netflix. Video, I think I have the video on there of me with Tony Orlando. Yes, yes. Yes, you do. Doing a, 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 I was in a, was a restaurant in Brooklyn, and they threw a, a birthday party for Frankie Valley. So uh, Frankie was there, Bob Gordio was there. The, the, whole, the room held 100 people. There were 200 Italians in, in this room. Everybody went there. <laughs> was there, everybody, everybody. Yeah. 
And Tony Orlando said, somebody said, hey, Tony, what are you doing here? You're not Italian. He said, I'm married to a Sicilian, so that counts. <laughs> but I was singing. I had uh, with tracks. And Tony was walking past me, and he said, uh, you know, Sinatra did tie a yellow ribbon. So I said, I know, I got a track for it. Uh-huh. He said, are you going to sing it? I said, no. He said, why? I said, because you're here. It's your song. You're going to sing it. He uh-huh. said, put the track on, we'll do it together. Oh. So I put the track on, and we started singing it together. And when we was getting down toward the end, I handed the phone to a guy who was standing there. I said, could do me a favor, take a picture of us. And instead of taking a picture, he took a little video. <laughs> and, uh, and so I got, I got that up there. And, and Tony and I wound up becoming good friends after that. We yeah. Touch and touch. He, he was at the Friars Club just like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, was he? And he did a, a, a show and was, was terrific, told some stories, sang some songs, and uh, really incredible. He, when I first met him, I started telling people that he was the nicest guy in show business. Really? And then I found out that everybody else in show business has been saying that for, for years. Everybody says he's the nice guy in show really? business. Really? He really is. He really is a nice man. Well, that's nice to know. It really is. Yeah. Well, is there any and chance... Oh, yes. I had one of his Bob, CDs. Bob Anson's the singing impersonator. He impersonates everybody. So yes, yes, he's very he good. Gets a, he has a 30-piece orchestra. He has a, a Hollywood makeup man come in to make him look like Sinatra. And then he comes out on stage and recreates an hour-and-a-half show of Frank. Wow. And this ran in, uh, in Las Vegas for about a year. And he's finally bringing it to New York on December 11th. It's going to be the first... Uh, Oh, that's going to be I'm a live show? My show is on December 11th. Don't come here. Don't come to see me. Go to see my friend across the street in Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Oh, that's good. December so, 11th, Carnegie yeah. Hall. Now, yeah. I don't know if this, is, if this will be uh, on the air before the 11th. Mm, that's good to know. I know Bob Anderson. I have, way back when, when, when I was on radio, uh, he did send me um, a video, and I watched it, and I was really, I mean, enchanted by it. He really is. He really is. Yeah, he is an impersonator, but you are not. Let's emphasize that again. Right, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, you're not. But uh, if you see Stephen, if you're lucky enough to see Stephen in person, it'll bring you back to the Sinatra era. You really will. It, it's just incredible. It's just, I guess it was in your DNA. I don't know. <laughs> okay. got to make sure that people remember. If, if, if nobody's singing the songs anymore, people are going to start to forget. That's right. And we don't want that. We want Frank Sinatra to be like Beethoven. 500 years from now, we want people still going to Lincoln Center. Right. People sing Sinatra music. Right, right. Well, Stephen, this, is, this has been great. It really has been. We really got to I know you. Time. Is there any chance that you'd come, you know, to Long Island at some point? You really belong, well, you, you know. A, you mean to do a live show? Yeah. You would yeah, really be great. At the Patchogue okay. Theater? Yeah, but if you came to the Patchogue Theater for the Performing Arts, well, we'd all turn out to see you there. I it's... would love to. I did shows a few times years ago. Yeah. And then the, the guy who was running the theater uh, left, and that, that was my connection, so I haven't been there in a long time. I don't even know if that theater is still in operation, do you know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It is still? Okay. Oh, yes, it is. It has come back. It was uh, shut down, you know, during the pandemic. It's back. Okay. It has a new manager. Sounds uh, nice to me, if you know. Yeah, I okay, mean, we we love it because we don't have to go into Manhattan. It's like a stone's throw for most of us, you know. And they have oh, top. Like me, I got a compliment. Yeah, you want to? That's all right. I'll tough it out. You're <laughs> <laughs> you're Italian, okay. <laughs> this has been really very entertaining, Stephen. I do wish oh, thank that we. You so much. Maybe we'll get into uh, New York one day, the Carnegie, the Carnegie Club. Carnegie Club, yeah. Okay, let's give them the address again. Carnegie Club. Carnegie Club is 156 West 56th Street, okay. so it's between 6th and 7th Avenue. And the shows... Right the back end of Carnegie Hall. And those and shows are on the... Carnegie Club, you look out the window, you see the back wall of Carnegie Hall. Ah, and that is every week, every weekend you appear? Every Saturday. Every Saturday. Every Saturday. 
different shows. Uh-huh. But they're always the same. The 8 o'clock show is always the same song, same jokes. 10.30 show is always the same song, the same jokes. So a lot of people, especially if they're going to come from Long Island, uh, they'll come and uh, stay for both shows. Okay. We tell people, Patsy's Restaurant was Frank Sinatra's favorite restaurant. So we tell them it's only two blocks away. So if oh. you come from Long Island, you park your car, and they're at Patsy's, walk two blocks, see both shows, and when you come out, your car is right there. You don't have to go traipsing all around Manhattan. Oh, and to go to Patsy's. Oh, yeah. Well, the chef I interviewed him when I was on radio, uh, Sal Scognamillo. Yeah. Sal Scognamillo. Yeah, very good friend. Yes. Okay. We're gonna be doing the Sinatra birthday at at Patsy's. He hosts the 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 birthday every year, and I'm there singing. uh, When is that? When is that going to be? December twelfth. December twelfth. Oh. Okay. We have to get into Manhattan. Okay, Patsy's restaurant and the Carnegie Club. What a day that would be. We call it Sinatra Saturday in the city. Wonderful. If you go to Patsy's for dinner, just come see the show, you get a free CD. Okay, sounds great. Hope I can make it, Stephen. Well, yeah, anytime. Well, this anytime. is wonderful. I appreciate your coming on, and I wish you every good luck. You know, we want to see more Thank of you. Thank you very much. We want to see more of you. Hope to see you soon. Okay. okay. All right, don't hang Thank up, you. Stephen. Don't hang up, okay? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Malio. If you haven't heard of that name, you certainly will now. I, I think you know everything about Stephen there is to know, but you must enjoy him. Check him out on the website, stephenmalio.com. You really will be entertained. And that's the show for today. And tune in again next week. I'm on every Sunday on Spotify, Apple, you got it. Anywhere you access your your, uh, podcast, there I am, Italia Mia. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I wish all of you tante belle cose. Ciao.